0: shame not on you. Let's talk about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny. And it's so much fun to come before you every week and share what's on my heart. Um, I don't want you to forget that you can go to pushbackculture.org, pushbackculture.org, and you can connect to these podcasts. And also, if you want to see my smiling face, uh, you can actually go uh, to YouTube. We have a YouTube link, uh, and you can see me speak and uh, deliver these messages as well. And so I certainly invite you to do that. And and welcome your involvement and your input, your, congest- your congestions, your comments and suggestions uh, for the podcast. Uh, it is my privilege to share these things with you. You know, I try to every week try to talk about what I would consider to be a relevant topic, whether it be something that's going on in the news or in the world, uh, with politics, with medicine, the things that um, I might be able to comment on or provide insight. On, uh, but you have to also understand that I also share things that are just happening in life, uh, in my life, and in my family's life. And uh, I just really feel like this week was a, a real uh, week of breakthrough uh, for my family. I Just some personal things some of the kids were going through and were able to just really break through some of those things. It was so good. Um, the Holy Spirit is so good. And I know one thing I've learned through years of just walking with him and in ministry, that when he does something for somebody, he wants to do it again. And and uh, he is just a God of such greatness and love and goodness. And he is a God of breakthrough and restoration. And I just want to release that to you this week as well. I know that it is Father's Day coming up and what a privilege it is to be a father. And just as I'm referring to, you know, working through some things with the kids and um, what what a privileged place to sit in that seat of somebody that the kids can come to and and talk, and share their heart, and and hopefully get some breakthrough and insight through the Holy Spirit. And um, I just want to say thank you to all the dads, uh, and especially to my dad, who I know is listening to this podcast. I love you, dad. Thank you for um, your uh, teaching, and your love, and your patience, and your goodness, and your kindness to me. Um, it's 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 forever, and I just receive it. And I am so thankful for you. So happy Father's Day to you, dad, and to my father-in-law, who's also listening, I'm sure. Uh, Happy Father's Day to you as well. And thank you for your input into my life. I'm deeply blessed, and, and I believe that also gives me a platform on which to stand. Uh, the strong families that have raised me and so into my life on such a regular basis, it actually gives me a platform to stand on um, so that I can, with boldness, know that people have my back, and I, can, and I can shout from the mountaintops the things that the Lord is telling me to shout. And I, and I do have a, a boldness, um, and it's increasing. <laughs> it's not not a finished product in the realm of boldness, but I'm I'm getting there and I am becoming more bold as as the Lord is giving me insight and as family is supporting me in those things. So I want to share a little bit about what uh uh some of the breakthrough that happened in our family, not very specifically about who and when and why, um, but the breakthrough that actually took place and and it's in the realm of self-condemnation. You know, we have this idea that, you know, sometimes we're our worst critic. And we have this notion that there's nobody harder on ourselves than ourselves. And it can oftentimes be true. But I want to expose the root of that. It is a sinister plan of the enemy from the very beginning of time. And so that's where I want to start. I want to start from the beginning of time and just explain to you how the sinister plan was implemented and how it still affects us today. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now, this is starting in Genesis chapter three. And he said to the woman, did God really say, the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say that we must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you? You were naked. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? See, my friends, there was a culture, you know, I'm all about culture. There was a culture that was created in the garden that the father created for Adam and Eve and placed them into this beautiful culture. And he gave them boundaries in which to live and boundaries which not to cross and the serpent tempted them, and they crossed that boundary. Now, there's something very interesting about this passage, and I don't know if you caught it. But how many know that the enemy likes to, uh, to tempt you and then to accuse you? We've all been there, haven't we? It's part of his plan. He tempts you, and then he accuses you. And it was interesting because they ate and their eyes were open, but we also know that their ears were opened and they were open to a voice that they were actually not intended to heed. In fact, later in Genesis chapter 3, The Lord says, because you heeded the voice, there was a voice now that they heeded, that they were had that voice had access to their lives that they were not intended to have. And the first thing that he told them was that they were naked. See, I I can't prove it, but I think it went something like this. They ate of the fruit and. And instantly Satan said, you guys realize that God is going to come around in the cool of the day and have a chat with you. And he's going to realize that you were naked. And he's going to discover the fact that you did the one thing that he told you not to do. And man, is he going to be mad. And the response to that is that they, were, they saw themselves as physically naked and they fa- fashioned fig leaves together and covered themselves. And yet when the father came by, I don't know if you caught this, they actually hid themselves. And he said, where are you? And they said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. But the crazy part is, is they weren't any longer naked. They had covered themselves with fig leaves, remember? See, what was lost was a spiritual loss. There was a culture of nakedness, of vulnerability before the Lord where they were completely without shame. It says the culture that they were born into was that they were naked and unashamed. And the first sinister plan, the first manifestation of sin on the face of the earth was shame. Shame was a spiritual loss because we separated ourselves from a loving father. And we listened to another voice, a different father, a father of lies. The God said, who told you that you were naked? The Lord knew they had now access to another voice, and it's a condemning voice. And so when we speak of self-condemnation, we have to understand that it's not always just that little voice inside of our head. It's actually a sinister plan of an enemy that actually wants to keep you separated from a loving father who intended to walk with you in the cool of the day in a place of intimacy. And my friends, nothing has changed. The enemy is still here, and yet we live on the other side of the cross where now our shame and sin and condemnation was actually nailed to the cross and was crucified with Christ. And now we live actually on the other side of the cross. And so that the shame and the guilt and the the death and the condemnation that came from sin was actually nailed to the cross with Jesus, was crucified and killed. And so I believe, just on a side note, this is a little tangent, that the term shame on you I believe, is one of the the most horrible things that you can say to another human being. And I would humbly ask you to remove it from your vocabulary. I believe it is the equivalent of saying, damn you or go to hell. Because it it is actually the, the initial sinister, ugly manifestation of sin that was ever given to mankind. And it still today is what is keeping us locked in condemnation so that we are ineffective, and that we actually learn to to hate ourselves, learn to live in condemnation towards ourselves instead of actually receive the blood of Jesus that actually paid for it all and the enemy loves that. Loves to keep you locked in that. We had a dear friend who actually talked to one of our kids who then in turn taught this to us. Mark 12:30 30 through 31. They were asking him, you know, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, you know, I'm not, with, without surprise, he responded with love. Love is how Jesus moves. It's who he is. It's it's the essence of, 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 of who the Godhead is. And so he responds with love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength, an unabandoned love towards God. But the second is this, love your neighbor As yourself, there is no commandment greater than these. So we connect with the love your neighbor part, but what about the as yourself part? (laughs) Have we ever really contemplated that? You know, the new agers have sort of adopted this, you know, love yourself philosophy. And so we as Christians oftentimes sort of roll our eyes at the notion of loving ourselves. And we don't see that as very valuable or very important. But actually what Jesus is actually saying is that it's actually the, the, the center point. It's the, it's the linchpin of, of, of love and the way that we express love to others is how well we actually love ourselves and see ourselves. At, let me say it a different way. As you love yourself, love your neighbor. <laughs> see, loving yourself is actually the high water mark, my daughter taught us. It's actually the high water mark. It's that place in which you have the ability then to love one another. So it's critical that we see ourselves as God sees us. See, we. <sighs> Through the, through the influence of the enemy, we can actually believe that being self-condemnating, con- <laughs> having self-condemnation is actually noble. What do I mean by that? Well, we can say things like, you know, well, I, I'm my own worst critic or there's nothing you can say to hurt me because what I believe about myself is worse. I understand why God wouldn't use me. And the crazy part is, the deception part is, the father of lies part is, that we call it humility. Ah, my friends, we call it humility. We think it's humble to actually have this internal processing that's actually coming from the enemy speaking to us like he did to Adam and Eve in the garden and telling us what a failure we are. And we actually clothe it with a cloak of humility. I actually found this definition of humility online and I believe it's awesome. So I want to share it with you and I want you to lean into the words of this Because I think it'll expose the fact that self condemnation isn't anywhere in the hemisphere of humility. So, listen to this biblical humility means believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion, including your own. It requires embracing who you are in Christ over who you are. In the flesh. To be biblically humble is to be so free of concern for your own ego that you unreservedly elevate those around you. (laughs) That is a powerful paragraph. Let me read it a little faster. Biblical humility means believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion, including your own. It requires embracing who you are in Christ over who you are in the flesh. To be biblically humble is to be so free of concern for your own ego that you unreservedly elevate those around you. Wow, that hits home. That's that speaks so powerfully, my friends. I am giving this message because this is something that I personally struggle with. I just want to be transparent before you. This idea of self condemnation, and and I have uttered the words that I am my own worst critic, and and maybe there is a place inside, deep inside of me, that thinks that that's noble, that thinks that maybe that's even humble. But my friends. Biblical humility is believing what he believes about you. It's believing what God says about you over anybody else's opinion. And what he says about you is that you're royalty. That you're a co-heir, that you're seated in him in heavenly places. And that's what we have to believe. And I love about embracing who you are in Christ and his blood over who you are in the flesh, because our flesh always lets us down. Our flesh always fails us. Our flesh leads us and tempts us and and sometimes walks us right into sin. And and, and if we stay in the flesh, then the result is self-condemnation. When we try to analyze ourselves, when we try to look inwardly and try to make something of our lives, the conclusion is, is that we fail that we're no good, that we don't measure up. And so we have to see who we are and embrace who we are in Christ and in his blood because his blood paid for my sin. It paid for my screw-ups. It paid for the, the times that I've made mistakes over and over and repeatedly. His blood paid for it, and I have to either believe it or I don't believe it. We can't have it both ways, and I'm going to choose to believe it. We can only believe about ourselves what he believes about us. It's critical. And my friends, I know there are people listening to this podcast this week who suffer, and I use the word suffer, from self-condemnation. The the paralysis that comes from the place of of, of, of shame and self-condemnation in our lives that keep us paralyzed. See, there. I shared a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about siblings, about the prodigal sons. See, the prodigal son squandered everything. He messed up. He royally screwed up, and he had a notion that he would be better off being a slave in his father's house. And we can actually read that story, and I believe that it's actually preached from the pulpits every Sunday, that his response was a noble one. When he said, I'm going to go before my father and say, Father, I have sinned before you and before God. Therefore, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now that sounds awfully humble. That sounds like he's being contrite and coming in low. But really what it is is a misinterpretation of the times in which he lived and the home in which he belonged. Because when he came back, we know the story, the father ran to him and embraced him and restored his identity, put a ring on his finger and his cloak on his back. And the son tried to come in low and said, Father, forgive me, he tried to give his rehearsed speech and the father had nothing to do with it. And restored him to who he really was. See, that's the key. See, self-condemnation is actually an anti-Christ spirit. It is not humble. It is not contrite. It is actually connecting with the wrong side of heaven. It's connecting with the father of lies who's actually speaking to you untruth about who you are. And he's telling you that you are unworthy. Unworthy. And it's a lie. Perfectionism, which I would say means paralyzed by mistakes, is an antichrist spirit. See, we are made perfect through the blood of Jesus. And to think, to have the arrogance to think that we could perform well enough and perfect enough to achieve something is actually an antichrist spirit. And it's actually false humility because we're still drawing attention to ourselves and we're still doing it at the expense of others. And and even more sinister than that, it disqualifies us from serving and elevating others. Do you see what I'm saying? At the the core of humility is is unreservedly elevating those around you. I love that word, unreservedly. When we suffer from self-condemnation and the shame that comes from the enemy, we are actually disqualifying ourselves from serving or elevating others. That's why this is so important to this podcast, because this podcast is about saving the culture. How are we going to save the culture when we don't believe we're even qualified to do it? So I'm trying to get at a core issue here with this podcast. If you have that voice in your head, first you have to understand that it's not you. It's not your voice. It's the enemy's voice who has lied to you and has deceived you. And it's not humility. It's actually the opposite. So I want to use the time left to just pray over you. If that's you, if you suffer from self-condemnation and shame because you're not perfect, because you've made mistakes, because you maybe continue to make mistakes, Jesus' blood is enough. It either is or it isn't. I say it is. So there's first a spiritual thing that needs to take place because this is a spiritual loss, remember? We proved that in the garden. And so we can actually go after the enemy that actually brings a spirit of self-condemnation and shame. So... Father, right now, to anybody who's listening, if that's you, would you just put your hand on your heart? Lord, I just pray for these people right now who are suffering from a spirit of condemnation. And Lord, the the darkness and the spirit, Lord, that has connected to their heart and to their mind, right now, Lord, I just break that off by the power of Jesus' name right now. It doesn't get to stay. It is from the enemy, and the enemy has no foothold in our lives. So I break that off right now by the power of the name of Jesus. And the second spiritual move is repentance and forgiveness. If you haven't done that, then just repeat after me. Father, I repent of the sin that has been in my life, and I give it to you. And I ask for the blood of Jesus to cover my sin and to take it away permanently and forever. I want to follow your voice and your ways. In Jesus' name. It's a simple prayer of repentance. And I believe that the blood is enough to wipe that away. Now, there's also some personal moves that need to take place. And here's a big one that you may have never heard before. You need to forgive yourself. People at the sound of my voice, you may have been the problem. You may have hurt others. And you may have continually have hurt yourself. But you need to forgive yourself. Forgiving means to to remove the debt. To allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse it out of you. To sit in that place as a son. And allow him to put the ring on your finger and the cloak on your back. And welcome you back into where you really belong. In him in heavenly places. And a co-heir with Christ. So just repeat after me. I forgive myself for the sin that I have committed. And I ask the Holy Spirit to just remove those coverings of shame in my life. That I can be transparent before the Lord and be naked and unashamed. In Jesus' name. And the last personal thing that you need to do to walk through this is to tell the devil to shut up. (laughs) You have my permission to tell the devil to shut up. It's called stewarding it because I know and I promise you that he's going to come after you with all of the condemnation that he has brought before. He's going to tempt you and then accuse you. And if you step back in under that realm and that spirit of condemnation, then once again, he will have a voice into your life. He will speak to you and tell you that you are naked, that you are unworthy and that you should be ashamed. So tell the devil to shut up. If it doesn't work, then go ask for help. Surround yourself with people that can also tell the devil to shut up (laughs) and help you steward that identity and that place so when the enemy comes and speaks to you, you can simply resist. You can put him under your feet. It means to subdue. And those that love you, Those that are your family and the closest to you could actually put a hedge of protection around you so that this sinister plan for you does not return. I hope you found freedom in that. Listen to this podcast over and over again until you do because it has to be part of who you are. Thank you for listening to me again this week and I look forward to talking to you again next week. And so let's go without shame and without condemnation. Let's go together now to set and shape the culture.